Second Chronicles 21 through 3, reading from the message, and then we'll jump to 21 through 23. The Bible says sometime later, the Moabites and Amorites, except accompanied by the Meunites, joined forces to make war on Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat received this intelligent report. A huge force is on its way from beyond the Dead Sea to fight you. There is no time to waste. They're already at Hazazon, Tamar, the oasis of Indigi. I, I listened to it like a million times. Do you think I remember this stuff? And shaken, Jehoshaphat prayed. He went to God for help and ordered nationwide fast. Verse 21 through 23, after talking it over with the people, Jehoshaphat appointed a choir for God. Dressed in holy robes, they were to march ahead of the troops, singing, giving thanks to God. His love never quits. As soon as they started shouting and praising, God set ambushes against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir as they were attacking Judah, and they all ended up dead. The Ammonites and Moabites mistakenly attacked those from Mount Seir and massacred them. Then further confused, they went at each other and all ended up killed. Wow, well, we prayed a bunch, so I'm just going to start preaching. I want to preach about, well, I'll use the question, what is your fight song? See, people show up to fights to see the contenders stand in the ring and exchange bombs and blows uh, in a test of strength and strategy. However, there's a part of the fight that begins before the fighters ever step foot inside the squared circle. It begins with the lights dimmed, surrounded by their training partners and coaches. The fighters exit the tunnels that lead from the bowels of the Colosseums and make their way to the ring. The crowd's yells swell as the fighters enter to walk out music. It's the fighter's song of choice. The fighter often bobs and weaves to the beat, his eyes focused into a straight-ahead stare. It's his fight song. It's intended to motivate. It is used to intimidate. Muhammad Ali was the one who recognized the power of the song to set the scene for the battle. Late in his career, the greatest broke new ground by entering the ring to face Ernie Shavers to the majestic sound of the theme from Star Wars. Others realized the importance of this tool as well. In 1990, uh, see, 1988, Mike Sphinx stood in the ring as the undisputed heavyweight champion with a record of 31-0. His opponent, a young boxer by the name of Mike Tyson, walked out to a nightmarish experiment, experiment, experimental music composition. It was a song filled of noise and chains rattling. As the song plays, you can literally see Spink start to tremble in his shorts. And 91 seconds later, Spink wakes up from a forced nap. Perhaps the best example of the impact of a song connected to boxing, of, of course, is the theme song from Rocky, The Eye of the Tiger. Just a few bars and you're already ready to put your gloves on and jump in the ring. However, real warriors have known long before Ali or any modern boxer that music matters. All you have to do is backtrack today's text and you'll discover that God was the one who instituted the fight song. It really isn't the first account, though. You'd have to back up to Miriam's comp uh, composition following the Red Sea escape to find an earlier version. Nor was the last. You'd have to go see Paul and Silas in Acts. However, it was perhaps one, the one account that best outlines the importance and necessity of using praise in a fight. So before we get into the part of this account that addresses the fight, Saul, let me first mention that the king in our story gets word that the enemy is close. 91 miles from his capital city of Jerusalem, the enemy is inside the boundaries of the kingdom. 
The question is how many of us are unaware, perhaps we're aware, we just allow the enemy to take up positions inside our territory. How did the enemy get that close? Not quite overtaken, not quite in control, but just on the outlying edges. Before they ever get to the capital, the king is informed and as well as concerned. Don't become satisfied with giving up an inch. C3, listen to me. Don't grow comfortable with forfeiting any area in your life. Don't ever come to the conclusion that the area is just one and you'll have to live with it. No, I want you to prepare for battle. If you didn't get it yes or last weekend, I want you to fight. Fight for what is yours. I also want you to notice the combined forces of the enemy. Not one enemy, but multiple are coming at the tribe of Judah. They are ganging up on them. Have you ever felt like this? Have you ever felt like it's not an attack on just one front? It's multiple attacks and multiple enemies. Now, perhaps more than ever, multiple affronts. See, the enemy is an old dog with very few new tricks. He continues to use the same tactics today. He'll gang up on you. He just won't bring sickness. He'll bring sickness coupled with a big bill and an upset family member. He'll combine a virus with social unrest and political upheavals that sound like what's going on. So wake up, church. This isn't new. He's just combining forces in hopes that will tuck tail and run. Notice the effect. The leader, the appointed one, the mighty one, the king is afraid. Notice the effect today. People that are trained for a day like this, people of faith, people of promise, people of power, and yet all I hear is we're afraid, we're scared, we're uncertain. The intended effect is the same. But notice what the troubling king got right. He prays and he fasts. I wonder if the reason some of us continue in defeat is because instead of increasing prayer and fasting, we can increase time in Facebook and IG. I wonder if some of us would get back to prayer and fasting, we might also be able to get back into the fight. Listen to these accounts. They're not just for fun or reading they're actually strategic manuals. These are war manuals that still work today. So we talked about it before that all the blood and all the gore in the Old Testament was to show you that we're meant to be a people who war. Not against flesh and blood, but against, uh, against uh, spiritual things, principalities. You all know that scripture. But uh, see, I want you to understand that the enemies are amassing against us. They're closer. If we're honest, they're closer than we ever thought they'd get to us. Follow the manual. Remember that we aren't fighting for victory, but we're fighting from victory. It's going to work. And since we're talking about strategies that work, let's not miss the strategy that wins the battle. The people discover what we need to know today, that worship is warfare. The king puts the worshipers out front. Now, if you've been in church more than about 25 seconds, you've already heard this. And I'm not going to go down the same dry, dull points that people have been preaching for 25 years. But the king puts the worshipers out front. They lead the way into battle against an overwhelming army. He learned that worship is warfare. Too many of us view worship as what we do before the preacher preaches. Oh, we're going to worship service. Well, that's, that's nice. You can say if you want to. I actually call it a song service because I can worship inside this building or outside this building. See, worship isn't warm-up. It isn't entertainment. It isn't a talent show. Listen to me, because this is going to hurt. Just breathe for a minute. Sunday's worship shouldn't even be our first day of the week that we worship. It should be a culmination of an entire week warring in worship. If the only time you worship is when you get in here for 15 minutes, we do three songs and stop and another song, then you are missing the point. That's why, if you've noticed, Todd, 
Kendall, myself, Rick, everybody that, that we have been trying to focus on taking our worship to another level in C3, not just reading the words on a screen and clapping on beat. That doesn't interest me, although I appreciate it. What I'm, what I'm worried about is that no one should have to prime or pump us. Come on, church. Let's worship the Lord. Get with it. Clap your hands. Raise your hands. No, that's what happens when you haven't worshiped all week. That's what you need to do with a church that's dry and, and, and completely just a lack and void of worship. Todd should never ask us, come on and worship with us. We should be here and just waiting for the first key of the piano to play. I dare you to play something because I came to worship. I wonder what you do. You wear Todd out. He went to sweat to give him an IV. If you say, you know what, this isn't my first day worshiping. I've already worshiped all six days. I've come in here to, to finish and, and to tie uh, this whole week off with a bow of worship. I wonder what it'd be. See, when we gather, there should be fortified, forceful, built-up wave of worship already flowing out of one another. It should be so strong that it not only spills you know, onto the, the person next to you, but it puts the enemy on notice that he's already defeated. Now, don't do this because you can think I'm carnal, but you can go on there and you can type in Mike Tyson versus uh, Sphinx walkout music. It is crazy, but it should have the same effect Mike Tyson had on Sphinx is our worship on the devil. You can see it in his face. He's in the ring as a champion, 31 and 0. And Mike Tyson walks in the ring and, and Mike Sphinx becomes his 16th first round knockout. Gives him a, a nap on the mat in 91 seconds. I, watch, watch the fight if you want to. We'll all pray through next time. The commentator is saying, you know what? He is not respecting the champ. He is not intimidated. Mike Tyson is charging. He says there's no respect. He's not giving. That's all he says. And Mike is wailing on him. That's what we should be like with the devil. I know you've been around a long time, devil, but I'm not giving you any respect. And when I come in here to worship, I'm coming to wail on you. I am coming to him. You are going to wish I never came in this church building. That's what it should be like. There was no respect. He walked in there. Mike already knew he won. He just got that gritty. I ain't wearing socks. Look in the boots. And he just come to fight. He's not coming to look pretty. He's not coming for the belt. He's coming for heads. Do you come to church because we got free cookies and coffee? I hope not, because they got free cookies and coffee, other places. But we need to become, see, our praise literally confuses the enemy. He's tried to hit you so hard that he knocks the song out of you, but he can't figure out how you keep still singing. How can people who have endured decades of delay still raise their hands? How can someone who receives that kind of report still show up with praise on their lips? It confuses the devil. How can that person who's been dealt knockout blow after knockout blow still throw their head back and let out a shout of hallelujah? The devil can't understand it. Your worship confuses the enemy. He thinks he's winning. And every time you worship, you remind him that he's not. Hmm. Confuses him. He doesn't expect those who are intimidated and fearful to be able to muster the strength to sing. He doesn't expect those who have been pummeled by problems all week to be able to shout. He doesn't expect to encounter people who have been hit by a deluge of delays and detours to be able to dance. See, it took kids running around the church. But listen to me. I don't care how dignified you are. I don't care how many letters you got behind your name. Neither one of those impressed me. What impresses me is someone that says, you know what, I'm not too educated enough or I'm not just too alpha male enough or whatever. So I can come in here and I will worship. I'll raise my hands. I'll let the spirit of God hit me. I'll cry in front of you because I don't really care. I, I, I wish people would understand that, that your worship is warfare. 
that whatever you and your family are going through, when you come in here and worship anyway, you're confusing the devil. You're reminding him that his days are numbered. He's already lost the battle. His days are numbered. I wish you would understand that singing and worshiping and raising our hands and dancing isn't an option. There is no conscientious objectors. I just don't want to carry a rifle. I just don't want to shoot nobody. They got people cutting other folks' heads off and you don't want to shoot nobody. Listen to me. The devil would love for you not to worship and not to praise and say, you know, I just want to come and hear some preaching. I really don't want to worship. I'll just come late and leave early. No, no, no. There is none of that. See, we talked about it before with the kids. I don't know if it was obviously wasn't on Facebook, but worship is who God is in your life and where he is on the list of importance. So if you say, you know what, I'm too dignified to worship you. Oh, you and God have a problem. You don't upset me. You don't have to worship me. You don't want to. You got to answer to God. Well, why were you so cool you couldn't worship me? Why were you so ungrateful for, the, the, for, for the, the forgiveness I've given you that you wouldn't even sing a song to me? Testing. One, two, three. See, our worship is an ambush. We gather and open our mouth and we ambush the enemy. What you thought would silence us only intenses or entices us to worship more. What you thought was a gut punch that would take the wind out of us only causes us to dig deeper and worship more. Worship strikes a devastating blow to the enemy. It's the haymaker he never saw coming. It's our fight song. Our enemy has learned to weaponize fear, sickness, and strife. It's time for us to weaponize worship. Thank you, thank you. I just need one yes or mm-hmm or, or come on or let me, I don't know, whatever you want to say. You can sniff a little bit. I'll, I'll start to preach more. Fear is running rampant. That people, we, we, we say it so much, we don't even think it's bad. You know what I'm afraid of? You know, I, I'm just kidding. I wasn't, I'm not afraid of anything. I'm just telling you, you know what I'm afraid of? You know what I'm afraid of? We say it all the time that we don't even think about it. You know what I'm afraid of? How about you say, you know what concerns me? You know what causes me to think? Stop saying, you know what I'm afraid of. Don't be afraid of that. But we use it so much. We're such a fearful people that we have a saying that nobody even questions. It's like saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, you apologize. You're not sorry. You're a child of the king. You know what I'm afraid of? You know what I'm afraid of? No, you know what concerns me? You know what causes concern? Do you know what makes me think? Say those things. I'm trying to do my very best. Don't come in here willing to sing some cute songs, please. Don't come in here and, and go through the motions. Don't get in your car and turn praise and worship on just so you have some noise to get from point A to point B. It, it, don't become a worship critic. Don't become a worship spectator. No way. Weaponize your worship. We have gotten so bougie in our worship. I hope Ty sings something new. Well, I, hope you would, I hope you would worship something old. Well, is he going to sing that again? What, are, are you going to sit there with your hands in your pockets again? Um, that's right. I, I know. I am not the nice one. Rick is a nice one, but he's not here. So he can't, he can't give me the stink eye from the back. That's what I say. If, if you can play better, then, then go right ahead. I can't play anything. Only thing I can do is push the keyboard over. That sounds exactly like how I play the keyboard. But it shouldn't be a talent show. It's, it's, it's not enough to say, Todd, every song you sing, you don't even use notes. You just play it from memory. 
It's we're so used to talent that we become critics. And now we, be, we, we actually become spectators of worship. I wonder what he's going to sing today. Oh, you know what? Ethan, you're not changing the words fast enough. Really? How about you raise your hands, turn your head back and start talking in tongues? Try that. How about weaponizing your worship? Let's not become worship snobs and just all these bougie people. Well, I really don't run because I get sweaty. Run, bro. Run. We got washers and dryers. Change that sweaty shirt. Yes, ma'am. We are so worried about looking cool and looking prim, proper, everything else. I'm so way past that. Have you ever tried to look cool in a fight? I don't know if it, maybe half the people in here never got in a fight. Lord bless you. It is, it is hard to look cool when someone is pounding your face in. You're bleeding all over the place. You are just worried about winning. You're not worried about who is watching, how good you look. You're not worried about how you win. You'll do whatever it takes. I think that the devil needs to punch you back in the face one more time. You'll be worried about who is in church and who is it, who's on your left side and the right side, who is it, who's watching, who's participating, who is it. I'll do whatever it takes to get my victory. I will worship. I'll run. I'll dance. I'll jump. I don't care what anybody says. I got to win the fight. I am in a fight. We said we're too cute. We're too cute, Christians. I like to take all of y'all. Central American, watch your cute self. Let's all go on a field trip. Get your passports. I'll tell you, we got plenty of places. You are going to sweat. You ain't got to move. You just sweat. You just sweat just being in there. And you will see people. You will see people. You make more in a month than they make in a year, and they will out-worship you with their one pair of shoes they got. Pastor, what's so special about Central America? Let's go to South America. People in Chile, that, 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 that country is rich. It's full of copper and everything else. But you wouldn't know it. They worship it. They don't have a dime. What is wrong with us? It's not a C3 thing. It's a North American thing. We need to be like, you know what? I, I don't, park your BMW outside if you got one. I don't care. You park your Bugatti, your Maserati, or anything else I can't spell and barely say. Just park it out there and worship like you don't have a dime. Come in here and worship like you have no health insurance, like you have no 401k, like you have no savings, like you have nobody that you can borrow money from. Come in here and worship like the only thing you have is your faith. I promise you, you will be the most powerful Christian that you know. So thank God for all your stuff. I thank him for air conditioning. I thank him for carpet and I thank him for an ice maker. I can just get some ice anytime I want to. But I'm not going to be so thankful for all that stuff that I forget that I'm in a war. See, we must position praise properly the king sends the praise team out first in front of the fighting men in front of the chariots in front of the horses we need to learn to praise before battle not afterwards send up judah first why because people who have a fight song have learned that prior victories were proving grounds i know this is going to be rude so i'm not trying to be rude it's just like i told you before it's my spiritual gift but most people who don't worship have never been through anything. You find that little old lady or that little old man that have been through so much and their back is hunched over, they couldn't straighten up if they wanted to. And they move slower than you. And they don't dance like you. But they will walk up to the front and it is... It is a hard thing to do the walk up to the front. It might take them six times as longer. But when they get there, they have a worship that'll put other people to shame because they've been through things and they've seen things and they're thankful and they won't let their current condition 
Stop them from worshiping because worship is actually, we learned it from prior victories and proving grounds. All the victories. How could I not worship God? He's been so good to me, to my family. He's been so good to me. How could I, how could I not worship him? See, we worship before battles because it helps us to fight the present battle with confidence. I know y'all saved and sanctified, but I bet you on your playlist, whatever you have, whether you have YouTube or, or you have the YouTube music or you have iTunes or you have Spotify or you have anything else, I bet you have a, a song or two that gets you motivated. I don't act all. No, I don't. I just, they're all choir songs, Pastor. I know. I know. There's something like you really want to get into it. Maybe you put in there. There's, there's stuff. You see, the worship before battle because it forces us to rely on our trust. We worship before battle because it forces us to get our perspective right. Now, I know I'm rough when I talk to the boys. Please don't get mad that I was going to do a really belly flop to your children. I probably wouldn't have done it because you were watching. But I know I'm different, and I know I get on people's nerves, but I'm telling you that don't let my style that's crazy and very abrasive ruin it. I'm telling you, when we get in here, we worship because it gets our perspective right. No matter what's going on, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that you got a new car, you got a new house, you got a new dress, you got new shoes, you got new this. I don't want to hear none of it when the music starts playing. Tell me after church. I need to get my perspective right. I need to get it right. Not only do I want to get it right because I am trying to, to, to close my week of worship off, I'm actually trying to make sure I'm in the spirit so whatever I have to say to you will have some kind of anointing and unction on it and won't just be words prepared by a man. But we need, it gets our perspective right. We don't have our eyes on the gathering armies of enemies. No, our attention is reserved for and fixed on the undefeated one. When we come in here, it gets our perspective right because we get our eyes off, the, off our problems and we get our eyes on the God. That's why. Worship fixes our perspective. Worship forces us to elevate the spirit over our sight. Don't wait to sing until you see. Instead, sing until you see. It's funny that people, when everything's going right, they'll start whistling. People don't ever whistle. Watch people whistle all the time. I don't trust them. I'm kidding. People whistle all the time. People sing all the time. But can you sing when you don't see anything? So we don't wait to see the jail cells open. We worship until the jail cells are opened. Jail can't contain our praise. Chains can't silence us. They may make us sing louder, but they can't silence us. We worship before battle because it forces us to surrender. Wait, I thought we were talking about winning, Pastor, and, and that you're talking about surrender. Listen, when we worship, we are beating our body and emotions into submission to God. I just don't feel like worshiping. Good, that's when you need to worship most. When I worship when I would rather sulk, when I'd rather crouch in fear, curl up in a fetal position and wait for defeat, rather sing doom and despair and agony on me. When I worship, when I don't feel like it, I'm literally surrendering my own will and bringing it into submission to God, and he hears and gets involved. When you come in here and you don't feel like it, you are so close to a miracle. When you come in here, you're like, look, man, just me getting here and putting my carcass in a seat is a victory. I'm not going to, don't ask me to sing nothing. Don't ask me to clap. I'm just here to listen and I'm going to the house. When you have that attitude, you are about a half an inch away from a miracle because if you actually sing and worship like that, it gets God's attention because he knows what's going on in your life and it says that everything in your life says you shouldn't worship. Everything in your life says take it easy, sit down, relax a little bit, but you came here anyway. Now as you come in here, you begin to worship, you begin to sing, you begin to lift your hands, let tears roll down your face. God 
God hears and he gets involved. Listen to me, I'm telling you. Let me close this thing before I start yelling and spitting all over everybody. Acts 7, there's a trial going on. Stephen has been accused of blasphemy for preaching that Jesus is the Son of God. After his incredible testimony, the accusations that the religious leaders are guilty of, oh, he's treating the prophets badly, the crowd rises in anger and protest. They're so angry that they surround Stephen and prepare to stone him to death. At that point, they went wild. The rioting mob of catcalls and whistles just begin to just hurl insults at him. And I would submit that Stephen had a fight song. I know there was no music playing. I recognize there's no soundtrack or no organ, no drums, no wailing guitar or softly strung harp. However, I believe that if you were, what are you seeing is a man that learned to weaponize worship. He could kneel calmly in prayer while rocks rained down on his head. How could he do that? It wasn't he wasn't fighting back. It was he was fighting correctly. Does anybody in the room have a fight song in them? Does anybody here who is in a battle that they're not sure they could win by themselves have a shout or a song or a dance in them? They can say, devil, you can't fight my fight song. Stand with me, church. This is... This is going to be said in love, but you need to learn to fight for yourself. If you're relying on me, C3 Kids, or the music ministry, that's great. We'll help as long as we're around. You need to learn to fight for yourself. And if you can learn to weaponize worship, you won't only sing and raise your hands on a Sunday afternoon. When everything is going wrong in your life, you could just stop and raise your hands and begin to praise God. You don't even got to sing. You can just begin to praise him. Why raise hands? Raise your hands, surrender to God. God, whatever's going on. You say, God, no matter how bad it seems right now, it is fleeting a million years from now. What is consuming my life and giving me an ulcer, do you think I'll even remember? God, how can I be so narrow-minded to let what's happening right now derail me from a lifetime of you? God, why would I give up on you now when it's getting tough, when you've been with me all these years? Instead of saying, God, why would you let this happen to me? Say, God, regardless of what happens to me, I'll be faithful. Well, they fired me. Okay. Has anybody came to your house and threw stones at your face because you went to church? Well, you don't understand. They talk bad about me. Yeah, did they pull you and your family outside your house and crucify you? Well, you don't understand. They don't show me respect. Really, they spit in Jesus' face and beat him. And you're worried about respect at work. We sabotage our walk with God for things that are temporal. And I'm not saying I got it right. I get upset as well. There's another word for upset, but I wouldn't say it in church, but I get that as well. But listen to me. As I'm doing this message, God's talking to me as well. Don't let things that are fleeting, don't let temporal things cause you to make a permanent decision. Don't let what's happening this week derail you for a month. Can you worship him when everything's going wrong? How about this? Can you weaponize your worship? 
Let me say it another way. You're in a fight. Do you have a fight song? Is there something in you that when you let it out, not only motivates you, but intimidates the enemy? I say yes. When stuff goes bad in your house and in, at work or at school and you cross your arms and sit down and become quiet and reserved and drawn into yourself, the enemy wins. When you begin to worship after he attacks you over and over, it confuses him. He doesn't understand why. When people used to say, Pastor, some of the craziest things come into my mind all the time. How do I get it out? Every time it comes into your mind, start praying for somebody. If the devil's doing that, he is not going to keep causing you to pray for somebody. It's easier to leave you alone than him to provoke you to prayer. I wish every time the devil would attack you, you would begin to worship. And you say, you know what? It's not, it is not worth attacking C3. Every time I attack them, they begin to worship. Every time I attack them, the one step I got, they drive me three and four backwards. You know, I'll go find other prey. I wonder, what do you say, C3? Can we work on our fight song? As Todd sings, what do you say? You find a place of worship. It's time for some warfare.